Ever wish you could have access to the Porsche of your dreams anytime? With the Porsche Drive subscription, you can. Now available in Toronto and Vancouver, this all-inclusive service allows you to subscribe to a single vehicle or the entire fleet. In both cases, the monthly fee covers concierge delivery and pickup service, insurance, maintenance, and detailing. And the best part is, your next sports car adventure is just a tap away. Download the Porsche Drive app and get into your dream car today. Conditions apply. Visit PorscheDrive.ca for details. All you need is a trigger that just say how it is because we humans also because of where we were born we are different right uh, very interesting that apply board we have people from different countries but doesn't mean everyone exactly do same welcome to mission critical a podcast about the big picture the purpose and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies entrepreneurs and leaders i'm your host Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Bay Street Bull, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from one another, the question remains the same. What's your mission? When it comes to international studies, Canada is a top pick for students thanks to the quality of our education system and multicultural reputation. According to the Canadian Bureau for International Education, the years between 2010 and 2019 saw a 154% increase in international students visiting Canada, 60% of which planned on pursuing permanent residence. In 2021 alone, there were 621,565 international students in Canada across all levels of study. It's true that Canada is a nation known for its diversity, and that extends to post-secondary campuses across the country. But for many who make their way over to pursue academic studies, the experience can be daunting. Such was the case for Martin Basiri. After experiencing hurdles as an international student from Iran, he formed his recruitment platform, ApplyBoard, with his brothers Meiti and Masi. Today, ApplyBoard has helped over 300,000 students in over 125 countries, secured over $50 million in scholarships, and solidified partnerships with over 1,500 schools in a bid to drive up diversity and international minds across campuses in Canada, the US, and the UK. With over 1,500 team members around the globe and a valuation of $4 billion, the vision remains singular, to provide easier access to education. In this episode, I'm joined by Martin to talk about empowering future talent through education, his entrepreneurial journey, and how we can all embrace a student mindset. Hi, Martin. How are you today? It's so nice to meet you. I'm doing fabulous. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, it's a Friday today um, that we're recording on, and it's kind of a dreary Friday here in Toronto, but Friday nonetheless. Um, how's everything in Waterloo? Uh, it's a snowing, so I'm very excited because uh, tomorrow we were planning to go into a skiing, so uh, uh, super happy about it. I'm, I'm jealous. I grew up in a ski town, so that is, uh, and I have not been on a ski hill in, in a long time, embarrassingly, so I'm very envious of you right now. I'm jealous of you because I, you know, in the where I was born, we had like, I think I've seen it snow two or three times in my lifetime before I come to Canada. Right. And both times I was like this much. So and then you like saw a, a lot of snow when you came here. <laughs> yes. So I'm, I, 
the reason I said I'm jealous because I don't know how to ski well. So well, you know, I, I, it's been so long for me that I probably also don't know how to ski anymore. So we're on the same level now. <laughs> like a, we gotta like make a plan to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm so glad we could be chatting today. Um, I want to talk to you about how you built Apply Board and more broadly your perspective on accessing diverse talent and what exactly is going on with you know education today from your point of view. Um, while I was preparing for this interview, I came across a quote from you that I thought was super powerful and really impactful. You said, quote, peace goes away when people don't know about each other, end quote. What did you mean by that? And why do you think a statement like that is so relevant to the conversations we're having today in culture and business. Thanks. I'm from Iran, right? And you hear a lot of things about Iran in the news. Um, and the moment I step foot outside of Iran and I start hearing and seeing the perception of people, it was shocking to me how completely opposite of the reality other people can think and me myself now from that lens when i started traveling i went to like a lot of countries in the world i lived in china for like six months i lived in africa for three months i lived in canada united states i traveled a lot for work my perception of people also changed a lot we normally have perception about each other when we don't know each other when we don't meet each other, we just like think because we heard something or media told us or someone told us that, for example, Iranians are like that, Chinese are like that, and Vietnamese are like that, bad and good. I'm not just talking about the bad side. And when right now, for example, with North Korea, you could see that, right? Completely no one knows what's happening. And because we don't have a neighbor who is a North Korean, our doctor is not North, North Korean. So things can get to conflict and countries can go to conflict. But right now, when, when you see people across the board that they know each other, these days, like citizens are more kind of careful uh, about perception. So more and more people caring about what do they think and what do they say about others. So when, when people get to meet each other, they can see that Oh yeah, I have a doctor who's Chinese. He's like also very, very good. Oh, like my neighbor is Iranian, um, or like my kids' friends are Nigerian. And who said like Nigerians like that? Who said Chinese are like that? And uh, also for us, we expose our our, our culture and we learn um, other people' culture, and that's very very healthy for human being. Peace goes away when we don't know each other then we make assumptions that, oh, just because you are in that geography, you are a bad person. Or oh, whoever is in that geography called, for example, Iran or Afghanistan is this. So let's go have a, a conflictual situation. And it also worked the other side because when you are in the limited geography that you can't travel outside, like sometimes like governments, they can just like affect you or like brainwash you that, oh, people from people outside are like this and this. So I see two good, very positive movements for ending this, I call it like darkness of humanity that is completely coming from lack of education and lack of knowledge about each other. Uh, the most powerful one is social media. 
I love when I see like a Nigerian song getting popular around like all over TikTok or people now dancing to this like a Arabic song or this like a for example a Spanish song get like people in Afghanistan dancing with the Spanish song it just bring people closer and the second is international travel when we travel around and immigrate to each other country it's, it's just helpful because there is a Farsi saying poem said Bani Adam azayek digarand ke dar afayin nishzayek pekarand cho uzvi be dar davarat ruzegar degar uzhara namanat arar means Everyone in the world, all human beings are like different parts of a body. And one piece of the body, when one part of a body gets pained, the entire body has pain. And that's the reality. Like we human beings, we are all same. You know, mm-hmm. we are we just happen to born in different families in different geographies. So having perception is like your right kidney, say your bad kidney is bad. Just to me, it's such a such a, a small view of the world when we think about each other, and it, it does it's not right because all it takes like get on a rocket, go up and look at the Earth from Moon, and just see like what's the difference between people? There is no beef difference. There is no line on planet Earth. We are all one one big country. You know, we are all yeah. people from the same same country. So that's how I see it. So what makes people to don't like about each other? Just lack of knowledge. Everywhere I went, I traveled. People were awesome. People were hospitable. Everyone were awesome. You know, everywhere I went, everywhere they were awesome. They have good food. They have good culture. And I think that's, you know, obviously it's, it's actually always relevant, but even more relevant today because of the things that we're talking about in the larger kind of cultural discourse around, you know, things like Black Lives Matter, around the Stop Asian Hate campaign. There's uh, also, you know, not even just cultural communities, but also you have like the trans community, you have religious communities. There's, uh, we're, we're having a lot of those conversations today. And if you don't, if you don't have exposure to a diverse group of people, then you're never going to know beyond your kind of limited scope or whatever's within arm's reach, right? So I guess like in the in that same spirit and like in the spirit of like learning and exploration and discovery, like how do you embrace a student mentality of of learning and, and discovery all the time? It's just exciting to learn mm-hmm. something new, you know? It's like exciting to to see how other people think and how, what you've done. I think just coming from the regards, if you have regards for people, if you if you like people, you wanna make sure like what you do is not disrespectful or if, if they've done something, you wanna like see the positive side of it, you know, it's, it's just coming from that side. One one thing that I really love about Applyboard, we have people from, I think last time we counted a year ago was like 65 different countries. And it's amazing. We, we like we learn words from each other. We learn different rules, different culture. We have employees in over thirty countries. So like, there is not such a thing called like naturally that area of safety net happened. Like no one worry about their accents. No one because who said like what accent is the right accent when we have people from thirty countries in the same meeting? You know what I'm saying? It's just interesting. Everything becomes exciting the moment you get exposed. All you need is a trigger that just say, 
how it is because we humans also because of where we were born we are different right a very interesting that apply board you have people from different countries but doesn't mean everyone exactly do the same for example and it's very much depends on education of that country in north america people doing amazing collaboration and writing is a very big piece of their education so you can put a couple of people together and most likely they work very good together and they can write the process everything right when you go to for example a country like iran the individual contributors like okay, the teamwork wasn't as big in the in the education in the k-12 education or in the college education but deep individual work was like more so people mm. like more sit down and work on a problem before they go and ask other people versus here they do like more collaborative work right so i think it's just an excitement that you you get from learning from other people and other culture about what is cool in their culture what's not cool in their culture and you just just because you like them you want to like now be more respectful and i think it just come from the love and regards for other nationalities and other cultures and it's mm. not only about different nationalities because for example look at india or china ever like inside the countries 50 different country right yeah yeah it's just sure. exciting how we humans like adopted different things and we like completely different things right and i think what's also really interesting is how different cultures and, co and countries approach problems differently and and want to solve problems right so you and your brothers who are also your co-founders are originally from iran and you came to canada as an international student which is really where your origin story as a founder starts if i'm correct correct like we came from iran we came for studies and then we stayed here and we started the company yeah yeah so what was your favorite memory from your post-secondary years because those are such formative years for people um that you know where we're evolving and i and understanding who we are and and a lot of these big memories are imprinted in those years because they're so formative so what are some of your favorite memories from your time as an international student we had a poker club at university of waterloo that yeah. was run mostly with uh, masters and phd students of like engineering and computer science and everyone they were like so good at it that was <laughs> one of the fun part of my studies and yeah. the other thing that i really loved was oh the lab at university of waterloo like it had everything I was like, someone gave me the key to heaven when I came to Canada <laughs> to Waterloo. Like all the labs had all the equipment. And I came from Iran and our university, like equipment, like always like those things. Are, like It was like more theoretical. We didn't have that much of applied science because of a lot of it, because of lab. I was surprised with how much equipment it has. Mm and uh, the vibe and everything. And I remember I wanted some certain parts and I went to my professor and said, I, I don't know exactly, can I, like, I wanna just order this. I wanna make sure I can bring it to the lab. Is that okay? And he was like, yeah, this is my credit card. Just order it. And I was <laughs> like, what? Now you also gonna provide the money for what I'm going to order? That was like, 
like second key to heaven <laughs> right <laughs> right right i mean and yeah. like even for me like i actually went to school for um biochemistry which i quickly discovered was not my destiny because it was i remember actually the lab component too but that one for me was so traumatic because I could not figure out what I was doing in there. But you know, it's all the in between moments in our post secondary experiences too, where like for you as your poker uh, tournaments, for me, it was just kind of like the smaller moments where you bonded with your community, bonded with the, the campus community and made, you know, friendships that I still have today um, from that time in my life. And so it's such an important part of our lives, which leads me to where we're at today. Today, you're the CEO and co-founder of Apply Board, which is, according to what is on your site, the world's largest online platform for international student recruitment. So what does that mean? What does Apply Board do exactly? Um, and why did you start it? You know, if you can, if you can briefly kind of give us the, the top level notes on it. We believe at Apply Board that education is a right, not a privilege for students all around the world. So what we want to do, we want to make sure every student, regardless of their nationalities, parents' wealth situation, religion, like race, anything, they have access to good quality education. And that's our mission. And that's a long, long-term vision. It takes years and years, maybe decades, to build and make sure like people can access to education because majority of people on planet earth, they don't have access to any higher education set aside to good quality higher education. So we have a long way to go. So our first step was to create a platform that let's say you are a student in any country, you can go online, you can enter your information, you can enter your credential in your own country grading scheme. And then uh, you can say, what are your desires? How much fund you, you can have or what type of like program you're looking for, which place. And, and then there is an engine, the recommendation engine that say, as a, for example, Vietnamese students whose the GPA is 8.2 out of 10, um, and you wanna study uh, chemistry in Toronto, these are the schools that very high probability will accept you if you apply. And the cool thing is then you can apply to multiple schools with only one application and it tell you at what point you need to do what. So it's kind of your task management, your calendar, everything all together, and also like a smart advisor. And then you can make your payments and everything mm. through it. It's, it's pretty cool. You get all of your document verifiable so you can apply for your study permit uh, to enter Canada. I really like it. You know, when I applied to Canada, it was pretty hard process. So this is really like make the process easier. Right. So this is based off of your own personal experience as well as an international student, kind of the hurdles or kind of challenges that you faced applying to an international educational program. Yeah. And like we've done it and it's pretty hard and all of our friends are international students too. Like so. Right. It wasn't like a good subject that you sit together and nag about it. <laughs> so at some point, like you sit down and say, like, someone got to do something about it, right? Sure. And so when we talk about the hurdles that international students face 
when accessing post-secondary education here in Canada or the U.S.? Like, what kind of challenges are we talking about specifically to this experience? I think you kind of touched on it a little bit, but is it everything from financial to, I don't know, administrative? Like, what are the specific challenges that are unique to an international student's experience? Yeah, very, very good question. So I normally like to make an example. So imagine like you're put in middle of a street in Bangkok and they give you an address, which happened to be only 10 blocks away from you, but you don't have a GPS and you don't speak the, the language. So it's pretty hard for you to find the address, mostly because of lack of knowledge and you don't know where to even start. And for international students, it's exactly the same. So someone sitting now the other way, like someone sitting in Bangkok when I apply to Canada, they may heard only like University of Toronto, but they don't know where to start. They don't even know, shall I go to university first? Shall I get my visa first? What university would accept me? How is the application process? When do I have to apply? And the university's website, like mostly like built for uh, current students rather than future students. And also for future students, mostly built for domestic students rather than international students. So it's pretty, pretty hard process. And the other problem is even when you find your path, you kind of like get the funds that yes, I need to first take my test and then submit to university. And then after I get the acceptance up into visa, the whole time, even though you are on a path because you are so unfamiliar with the journey, uh, it's kind of like you're always stressed. You're always having, you're anxious about the result because what if the visa gets rejected? Like, did I do everything right? Did I make a submission? A lot of the application payment systems, visa application is so manual and outdated compared to like other things that you do, like for example, if you want to like book your trip, you just go Expedia or Google flight and in five mm -hmm. minutes you're done. But now if you want to apply to University of Bangkok or from Bangkok, you want to apply to University of Toronto, it takes a long, long time. So we're trying to like bring that ease of what you do when you book a flight online to this hard experience, get a confidence that Oh, because this website is telling me this is a step. So then it's good. It's like a GPS for your life. Yeah. And our plan is like to go above just study abroad and like get to different. Okay. Now you've done, this is the test you should do. This is okay. Here is where you're getting it. This would be your bank account. Hopefully this would be your roommate and all the other needs that you have when you are entering a new place. So that experience become as seamless and enjoyable for you as possible. Right. And for a student, so is there a fee for the student or this is a service that is accessible to them in which way? Yeah, it's absolutely for free for students mm. because the, our, our business model is like universities kind of like hire us to facilitate the path for the students. A lot of times it's even cheaper for students to apply to us rather than go directly to through university because we have the volume and a lot of times things are faster, more seamless, or university like give particular scholarship when you apply through us or the application fee, for example, instead of $100, only $75. Yeah. There are a lot of benefit that we can get. Like it is a problem that only gets solved at the biggest scale. 
they're very similar to like, for example, Amazon business, like logistic business. You need to get to a certain scale to really solve every single problem. And when it gets to that scale, things get very easy for the customers. And that's the enjoyable part of a flyboard that bigger we get, the experience for customers get easier and easier. So the conversation that this is a part of is really touches on two things. One, providing opportunities to international students and adding diversity to campuses and essentially a country's talent pool once these students graduate. So if I'm a post-secondary institution, why is it important for me to diversify the student body? Not just from an optic standpoint, but from a financial and a cultural standpoint as well, because as we know, and as we've discussed, the cultural aspect of the experience for a student is just as important as the educational component, because it's such that, you know, this is such a formative time of our life. So why is that important if I'm a financial or sorry, if I'm an educational institution? Lance, you are absolutely correct. In fact, I believe the experience of the students these days are way more important than educational piece alone, because a lot of the education, you can capture it on the internet on your own if you are a self-managed student. But uh, universities and colleges are more than just like giving you the, the education. It's a place that you find friends, you fail, you succeed, you, you get your social aspect of your life. Why is that important? Because like, if you go 100 years ago and if you were in Toronto, most likely all of your interaction for the rest of your life would have stayed with people in Toronto. You may not even leave the city of Toronto, right? But these days, there's not such a thing called local. Mm-hmm. Everything is global. Even a grocery store gets shipping from AliExpress. And we are global citizens. So you want your students at the time of the school get exposed to different cultures, get exposed what is right to say in Chinese or not, not right to say to someone in, from China, what is considered like a good friend. Like you're, you want your students to learn from different students. You want, because then they come out and they can create opportunities because for example, they learn uh, jackets in Mongolia are very, very little. So then they get to export business or the other way, they learn something's very cheap in Mongolia so they can get import or software or anything, right? We are no longer living in a local economy. So you want all of your students to get exposed to the maximum amount of like information. And what is better than they have a roommate from another country? That's what we need to prepare the next generation. So that's the main aspect from my point of view. The second aspect is people in different countries have, they're coming from a different education background, especially in K to 12. So different K to 12 in different countries are based on different methodology. So when you combine all these students together, they can learn from each other different methodology. You, you wanna like get always get exposed to the best of the best because there is not only one way, and you've seen it probably in TikTok and Instagram, how, for example, people multiply 25 by 25. 
like different countries education system doing it differently yeah. right so yeah. you want people to see that and that's good the other aspect that is very very uh, good for host universities the financial aspect like generally speaking is an additional revenue that they have in western countries we because of people don't have as many kids uh, our domestic education our domestic students number of students are declining means our universities have higher capacity mm. so it's it's perfect to bring people from other countries to fill out the seats that previously were, were filled by domestic students or even expand the schools because all schools want to expand they want to build new buildings they want to build new laboratories they want to build new gym so it's also very good continuous growth system and the most important thing uh, people who work in universities generally speaking they're the people who like educating other people so international students a lot of time they're like majority of their time they're coming from places that they didn't have access to other type of education so they're good students they admire their current ed education they really really love so professors uh, generally speaking really happy with these students because they're hard worker they really appreciate it very respectful they're very thankful for this opportunity that was given to them for getting access because normally their classmates back home and stuff there they haven't had that privilege yet to experience something like that and that's i think it was it's a very very cool thing like when i came to waterloo i was i was telling you about the lab my my friends back home didn't have access to that lab so i couldn't go home I remember I was staying like so late that I was missing 11:40 bus, the last bus to my home. Right. So a lot of nights, middle of winter, I had to walk back home because I was missing. I couldn't leave lab. I think about December 20th or something, the first year, my supervisor sent me an email that just letting you know, lab gonna be shut down during Christmas time, so you cannot <laughs> come to come to the university next week. And I had no idea of what I'm gonna do, but he was like, I couldn't get enough of this lab because we didn't have such a thing. So all of these elements that I told you make the universities want to have the students and make the students want to go to these to those international schools. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, as we've seen in the last few years, the pandemic has obviously thrown a few curveballs when it comes to the educational space uh, and really opened up a dialogue around how we access and distribute education. How is the pandemic or what has the pandemic taught you about where education is at today and what it has the potential to be if we are, you know, if we embrace innovation, if we embrace diverse uh, talent pools and, and, and just open ourselves up because it's a very traditional archaic kind of industry still. It is, it is. But on the positive side, there are a couple of things that happened. One was um, all the universities and colleges forced literally overnight to upgrade their IT software rules, everything to go online. And that is a, a very good start for creation of a culture of accepting changes. Because mm -hmm. as you know, you went to college, I went to college, some of the rules, some of the stuff that they were doing, it was like, 
why are we do, still doing that? It seems like someone 30 years ago put a rule and we are still following exactly the same rule. We're like, the paper that you submit your homework should be great. Why? Right. <laughs> right. What's the difference? Or like, you need to go to, to the campus to get your homework. Why? Probably 30 years ago, someone put them, people still follow. So it was a good for resetting a lot of rules. A lot of the professors had to upgrade themselves because now they had to deliver their material in another format. So they needed to make it more exciting. They needed to make it more engaging. And it was a good challenge for them because also so many of them, they were teaching math 101 for 25 years. No change whatsoever, even though a generation has passed. So this was a challenge for them as well. So it kind of made the whole environment healthy from that point of view. We also learned that you can deliver uh, content uh, over internet and that the whole concept of like online education accelerated, I think by a factor of a decade minimum. So it's it's very fast, which is very good because it really helped with democratizing education globally, especially to the poorer countries on planet earth. It has some downsides as well, like, you know, when you are 18 year old, you want to like be with your friends. You want to learn. As we talked about it, the school is not only about the content, it's about the experience. And I think that was missing. Yes, you probably learned how to do self, like a management, time management, discipline, probably a little bit better. But you also miss a lot of good nights. You also miss a lot of interaction. You also miss a lot of this poker nights or other experiences that later on in your life, you use those experiences that you've learned. And the relationships that you build too. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. Because now there's not that much difference between your classmate and, you know, the guy who are talking in your Call of Duty game, right? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, building on that, like why is, and like kind of looking at the bigger picture, why is international talent and international students, you know, so important to Canada's or or any other country's, um, for that matter, pandemic recovery plan? You know, when we emerge from this, as we're emerging from this, why is it so important that we support uh, international students, international talent, the community to really, you know, make sure that we're coming out of this better, smarter, you know, and being able to innovate and build from from this very good uh let me ask you a question if you talk to 10 ceos every one of them they tell you there is a big talent shortage right Mm. and our economy is growing so we need more people because people are bringing prosperous to a country right people are the force behind innovation and a lot of things, right? So we need people, we need the smart people. Our economy is growing, we need more people. It's our currency. It's our currency. Yeah. On the other side, from like in 90s and after the, the new birth rates start coming down. So we don't have that many kids anymore, right? And the fertility rate also coming down. So it means for every single woman, we are uh, having less kids. So technically what is happening, our economy get bigger opportunities become more and more, but we are having less and less new people coming to the force, right? And a lot of people are also 
kind of like make enough wealth that they retire faster. So the talent shortage keep growing as a challenge for a lot of countries. European countries are is going to be even in a bigger problem than North North America because of like North America, we are lucky that we speak English. So there were there are like more places that they can migrate versus, for example, a country like Germany uh, or France, right? They have a less less countries that they speak their language, right? But, but almost everywhere in the world, they speak English uh, in terms of like, they, at least there are some English schools or something versus like, for example, German schools or Russian schools, right? Uh, English exposure is very much. So we need to bring a lot of students and we need to motivate them to hopefully they stay here and join the workforce. And it's fundamental for future of our country. Uh, the last couple of generations, they built the country to a very good place. I'm really worried, worried for a couple of things. One is a lot of the decisions that has been made are more short term. And uh, not everyone knows what's a, what, how bad the fertility rate of 1.47 is. It literally means like we are not replacing ourselves fast enough. Yes, we don't see it in 20 years, but it's coming. Yeah. Like it's like it's, it has to be replaced somehow. Like because they normally see it in population growth because we live longer and mm. there are like a lot of immigration, especially at the elder uh, age to like your parents and stuff coming to Canada. So the new workforce is, is warning. People not having enough babies, the immigration at the younger age is happening, but it has to happen way faster because a country like Canada, we want the population to go higher. Um, and a lot of countries, they like China, uh, like uh, Korea, like Japan, uh, like uh, Middle East, that historically they were kind of like a production house of the earth for the human being. Um, and they were like fertility rate was high. It's it's really coming down. Uh, China is like I think right now is 1.2. Middle East like I think average is like 2.1. The only hope really I have is for Africa and for uh, India, uh, like India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, those area, Afghanistan, that they save us for the future because the rest of the world not having enough babies. Mm. Like uh, the good thing is like Africa, they having a lot of babies. Like if you just Google population of countries in 2100, and if you look at their age demographic in 2100, it's sad. Like everyone gonna be old and we're not gonna have enough new babies. So, so harnessing international community, international talent, being more accepting, being more, you know, embracing more of that allows us to build on not only our community, our population, our talent pool, and I guess also our perspective. Like the more we, and this goes back to like our beginning of our chat is the more we're exposed to different points of view, different people, different cultures, the more we're going to be able to 
approach problems differently, approach uh, and try to solve problems differently, and just be able to consider a wider audience or consumer that is just outside of kind of like our blinders as an individual. I think that's been really interesting to see. And also, you know, the interviews that we've had uh, on this show uh, are all with entrepreneurs and leaders who embrace the fact that diversity leads to growth and opportunity and, and expanded perspectives. And yeah, it's exciting to see, you know, change is happening. I'm happy because uh, in a country like Canada, um, we we are dealing with less with things like racism or people are not welcome from different culture. I really have a hope that countries like Canada can be in a very better situation. But there are like some countries that they have less diversity inside, and I'm not sure how how can they change. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, and you see that in in Japan, Japan needed to get to immigration in 80s. They didn't get. 40 years later, they, they never were able to adjust and they should have really like accept everyone to go to Japan, to immigrate to Japan 40 years ago and they didn't. And you hear right now, you started hearing like a serious like age issues and everything else. And if you plot them for 2100, just like a declining population, old population. So Canada, we have a chance. US, we have a chance. We just need politicians that they think decades versus like, oh, what's going to happen the next? Well, what I'm making the decision, how does it affect the next election or the next four years? Yeah, We need, we need the politician that said, we're going to do this. So 2070, Canada going to be the greatest. You know what I'm saying? Long-term vision, long-term vision. Very long-term vision, yes. I know we're, we're um, over time, but I want to ask you one last question. You already kind of touched on this earlier, but w- at the end of the day, what is your mission and what's the bigger picture for you? Imagine a world that there is no poor person because all of the poor persons went to a school, they came out, now they can support their families and that generation finished. Everyone have access to good education. Everyone access to like good healthcare. Um, there is no war. That's my end vision. And I really hope, at least on the education front, that every single human being have access to good education. I can see it in my lifetime. Really, really want to see it before I die to see how world going to be because basis of everything go back to their education. And if, if we can make our everyone educated and we get, can give them good education, things like racism, a lot of things goes away. Peace is going to go high because if we educated about each other, like we're not going to hate each other, right? So they can't give us a gun to kill each other, right? We're going to be like good. We're going to be friends. You know, we're going to listen to the same music. We're going to like have same goals. Like we're going to travel to each other, to each other countries. We're going to like, see each other so a lot of a lot of things are going to be solved but on the other side uh, seeing people in the poor state is really bothering me because i came from that state i know how what it means to not have money and a lot of that could be solved by just like educating one generation and then you end the cycle of poverty Mm. and that's why i'm so excited about future because if, if you look at the slums of like Bangladesh, India, Iran, Africa, we can educate one generation. It's done, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
I can, I can with a very high confidence tell you like no one with engineering degree, unless like something goes wrong, like mentally, no one with engineering degree, for example, in Canada gonna be like, uh, not gonna be able to like feed themselves. No one with a bachelor degree gonna be able to like, or I'm not just talking about degree, it's a good format of education, whatever it's gonna be in the future. It yeah. could be just like a good high school degree, whatever it is. Um, not going to be able to not provide for themselves. So we need to just break the cycle of poverty by educating people. I love that. Thank you so much for this wonderful chat. And it was nice to meet you for the first time, even though it's through a screen. And um, I just uh, admire the admission that you have and, and everything that you're doing over there at Apply Board with uh, you, your brothers, and your team. So uh, thank you for taking the time to chat. And I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. For a nation defined so much by multiculturalism, Canada has an opportunity to harness and cultivate talent at a young age. Providing easy access to quality education should be a human right, and it's within the best interests of our country, our economy, and our community. Education provides a clear path to growth, innovation, and peace. Apply Board and Martin are just helping to make that happen. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the word out. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission?